Hello there, Patriots fans, and welcome on into episode 13 of Pat's Pulpit Radio Rewind. My name is Mark Schoolfield. Happy to be with you for today, Saturday, December 7th, 2019. We got a huge college football slate. We got a huge NFL slate this weekend, and I'm here to help get you ready for the football week ahead. For those of you new, to Pat's Pulpit Radio Rewind. What I do on each of these episodes, I give you a taste, a little sample, and an amuse-bouche, if you will, of just some of the best that the Pat's Pulpit Podcast Network had to offer over the previous week. From the flagship show with Alex Shane and Rich Hill, Pat's Pulpit Podcast, to Patriot Nation with Ryan Spagnoli and Pat Lane. Our latest new show, Pulpit Playback, where we revisit some Patriots' memories from days gone by. And of course, the Sco Show with yours truly. And of course, we've got great music to bring you in and out. That is Hope from Hedda Music. You can check them out at HeddaMusic.com. Now, in addition to giving you some of what we did the week prior, we also get you ready for the weekend with some last-minute and injury news and notes, as well as getting you ready for the college football slate with our tried and true, our tested, our trademarked rake scale. Let's get you caught up with some injury news and notes final Patriots and Chiefs injury report before their huge AFC clash at 425 on Sunday afternoon. Each team has designated some players as out for your New England Patriots. Center Ted Karras with his knee injury suffered last week and defensive tackle Brian Coward with a head injury have been listed as out. For the Kansas City Chiefs, running back Damian Williams with a rib injury has been designated as out for this contest, as well as a pair of cornerbacks, Morris Claiborne with a shoulder injury and Rashard Fenton with a hamstring injury. Now some names also listed as questionable for both squads. Mohamed Sani with his ankle injury, Julian Edwin with that lingering shoulder injury, Marcus Cannon dealing with the flu still, Jawan Bentley with a knee injury, Jason McCourty, that lingering groin injury, which has kept him sidelined for the past couple of weeks, and Patrick Chun with a heel injury. For the Chiefs, Frank Clark, their newly acquired defensive end with a shoulder and an illness, and safety Jordan Lucan, Lucas excuse me, with an illness. Those last two names for the Patriots, McCourty and Chun, those are big ones to watch. Obviously, we know the Kansas City Chiefs, they are loaded as far as offensive weaponry goes. From Travis Kelsey to Tyree Kill to Sammy Watkins from McCole Hardman. They're going to need all the defensive backs they can get. And getting Jason McCourty back will be huge for this game in my mind. Because if you start thinking about matchups, I've said this on a couple of different shows this week. A lot of people have floated this idea. When we saw a couple of weeks ago... The New England Patriots up against the Philadelphia Eagles, Stephon Gilmore on Zach Ertz, particularly on third downs. We might see something similar with Stephon Gilmore on Travis Kelsey. And then you wonder about how the rest of the matchups might play out. Maybe Jonathan Jones on Tyree Kill with some safety help. Then you're looking at potentially a Jason McCourty on Sammy Watkins or a Jason McCourty on McCall Hardman, depending on the personnel the Chiefs use. So it's going to be nice if the Patriots can get Jason McCourty back in this game. So that's just a quick sort of quick spin around the news and notes. But now, friends, it's time for the rake scale. And it's championship weekend at the college level. And so you know this is a zero rake scale weekend. Forget doing yard work. Forget Christmas shopping, holiday shopping, grocery shopping. Whatever you have to do, cancel it. Pretend you're sick. Pull a Ferris Bueller. You know, fake a stomach bug. Don't fake a fever. Say you're hot or anything like that could lead to a trip to the doctor's office. You don't want to spend a zero rake Saturday at the doctor's office or at urgent care. So plan accordingly, get yourself 
situated on the couch because we got some great college football this weekend. And we already had some great college football. We're going to talk about Oregon and Utah a little bit later. We'll cap off this segment of the show talking about that game that happened on Friday night. But Saturday, look, it starts early. Noontime hour, you get three conference championship games. You get Baylor at Oklahoma at noon on ABC. Chances that the winner of that game could find themselves sneaking into the playoff. You do wonder if it happens. Of course, Friday night's game had a little bit to say about that as well. Also, you get Louisiana at App State at noon on ESPN and Miami of Ohio versus Central Michigan. That's noon on ESPN too. You get Cincinnati and Memphis, number 20 at number 17, Memphis at 3.30 on ABC. And then the big one, number four, Georgia versus number two, LSU at four on CBS. You also get a little Mountain West action, Hawaii at Boise State at 4 p.m. on ESPN. Then you get the ACC championship game, number 23, Virginia versus number three, Clemson. That's 7.03 on ABC. And then Big Ten time. You get the rematch, Ohio State, Wisconsin, number one, Ohio State, number eight, Wisconsin. This is a loaded college football Saturday. I'm going to be keeping an eye on all of these games, the ones I'm going to be particularly interested in. Obviously, Georgia-LSU is a big one. We all know what Joe Burrow has done this year. I'm very curious to see Jake Fromm in this one. I'm wavering on him as a draft prospect. I'm very curious to see what his decision will be at the end of this year. Does he stay? Does he come out? If he puts up a big game in this one and he somehow leads Georgia in an upset win, that might sort of sway him in one direction. So I am very curious about that one. The noontime game with Oklahoma, Jalen Hurts. He's getting some buzz as a prospect. I'm not quite there yet. I think he's much better as a runner than a passer, but he shows potential in that area. And look, Lincoln Riley quarterbacks... They're having some success in the NFL with Baker Mayfield and Kyler Murray. Now, Jalen Hurts is a different guy. But what is also working in his favor, of course, is the leadership that he brings to the table. You know, you, you get the sense that he's a one of those guys that can command the respect and the attention of the guys in the huddle with him. You know he's going to crush it in meetings with teams and in whiteboard sessions. So he's a player to watch as well. And that Ohio State-Wisconsin game, big one in the Big Ten. Uh, I think Wisconsin's offensive line is dominant, but they get to go up against Chase Young, who's a tremendous player as well. So we'll be keeping an eye on that one. And finally, Trevor Lawrence. I know it's a year away. I'm just saying, Patriots fans. I'm just saying. I don't know if they'll get a chance to grab Sunshine, but he could be special. So loaded college football Saturday, but it was a loaded college football Friday as well. And well, unless you were like me and you wrote a piece about Utah quarterback Tyler Huntley that dropped on Friday morning, you probably enjoyed it, unless you're a Utah fan. But either way, Oregon takes care of Utah 37-15 to in the Pac-12 championship game, which means as far as an outsider that might get in, it's not going to be Utah. Paul Feynman gets his wish. As he said, nobody wants to see Utah in the national championship playoff. Well, whether you agree or disagree with Paul, it doesn't matter because Utah's not going to get in. Oregon's probably not going to get in. Pac-12, not going to get a team in. The teams that could flip in, depending on how the SEC championship game goes, Oklahoma or Baylor. So the winner of the Big 12 championship game probably has a chance to get to the dance. But that's enough college football. Let's talk Pat's Pulpit. Up ahead, some of the best we had to offer this week at the Pat's Pulpit Podcast Network. That's ahead on episode 13. Pat's Pulpit Radio Rewind.
Mark Schofield back with you now on episode 13 of Pat's Pulpit Radio Rewind. It's time for the good stuff, some of the best we had to offer over a a rather down week here at Pat's Pulpit and across Patriots Nation because, look, the Patriots coming off a disappointing loss on Sunday night to the Houston Texans. And our first show of the week was Sco Show episode 46, a melancholy and the infinite sadness installment. And at the end of this episode, I tried to put things in perspective and tap into what I sensed among Patriots fans, particularly in the Sco Show Slack channel. There's evidence that teams can put it together. Teams can go on runs. Teams can figure it out. But this one does just feel a little bit different. And I think a lot of you feel that same way. That's one of the reasons why I love the Slack channel, which again, you can join at Mark Schofield on Twitter. Hit me up for an invite or mark.schofield at insidethepylon.com. Because sometimes when you're just watching a game, Sometimes, like I do, just alone by myself, taking notes and working through it. I might be feeling something, but I don't know if I'm seeing what everybody else is seeing. And reading the comments and the threads and all of it, I can sense in you, Patriots fans, that level of unease as well. Like, yeah, they are kind of where we thought they would be after the stretch. They lost the game down in Houston, but there's always that but. It's like that West Wind moment. What are the next 10 words? What are the next 10 words after that? This this team is struggling right now, but but what? But they make another run, but they put it together, or but worse days could be coming. But maybe they won't figure it out. But maybe they won't make that run. We're going to learn a lot about this organization and this team over the next 10 days. Between what happens in this game against Kansas City and the aftermath of that. I wish I could sit here and tell you that I'm ultimately confident that they're going to figure out Patrick Mahomes and company. I think they can. I don't know if they will. I don't know the next 10 words. Then on Wednesday, we dropped two new shows for you. First up was episode 175 of the flagship show, the Pat's Pulpit Podcast. And in this installment, we learned two things. One, Rich Hill has not seen rounders. And two, Alec brings us a rounders analogy for his thoughts on how to fix the Patriots offense and the tell that they have offensively have offense. <laughs> Ever seen the movie rounders, Rich Hill? Ever seen rounders with Matt Damon and John Malkovich? No. Oh, well you should see it. And you just kind of <laughs> killed this segment because I figured if you've seen rounders and you're a normal person listening to this podcast, there's a scene where Matt Damon is playing John Malkovich's character. His nickname is KGB in the movie. And it's the final poker game. They're going head to head. Texas Hold'em. And Matt Damon, he finally realizes what KGB's tell is. He has a tell when he has a good hand. I won't spoil you what the tell is, but he figures it out. And the Patriots have a tell on offense that I finally figured out on Sunday night is if Tom Brady's ever at the point where he's going deep down the field to a double-covered Julian Edelman as his best passing option, I know they haven't gotten it figured out yet. It happens every season when they're just kind of frustrated offensively. They can't figure it out. They send Edelman, who is not a deep threat, deep. There are two guys on him, and it never works out. And because of that, I really think it's important to do what they did. Honestly, Rich, at the beginning of the game, which is lean on Sony Michelle. He was running really, really well early in the game, and for some reason, 
they got him out of there, and they brought Burkhead in. And now James White rushed well. I think he had about 80 yards on 14 carries around there. He had a big 32-yard rush on uh, the third quarter, I believe, whatever it was. But they have to become a running team again. They did it last season around this time. Ran Sony Michelle all the way through the postseason, the Super Bowl. They have to do it this year, too. Muhammad Tanu is banged up. Maybe Gorth Dorsett's concussion is still more than we thought it was. Nikhil Harry's not going to do anything because he's a rookie. Toby Myers is an undrafted rookie. I think it is too much to ask of those two guys. And they have a hobbled uh, Masanu, uh, Edelman, who's double covered, and Doris is not going to get it done. So you have to become a running team. Go big. Go two tight ends on every single play. Keep them to block. Project it. Predict it. And just do it. And then impose your will. And if they can get that going, the play action to Edelman and James White out of the backfield will start to work. And they can start winning games like 23-16. to 16 which is very, very doable given this defense. I don't want to go for the high-flying offense anymore. Get back to your roots. Run first. That's what I'd do. Also on Wednesday, I had episode 47 of the Sco Show, and it was a Listener Follies edition, or at least that's what I titled it, as I opened up the mailbag. And in this little clip, you're going to hear me talk about the wide receiver room and perhaps my favorite Christmas ornament of all time. To our next quamp, from Andrew Carlson at Bankers underscore Box, who... I will have to tell a quick story right now. Years ago, over at the Sons of Sam Horn message board, a Red Sox message board, we used to have our Soch, and yes, it's Soch, Secret Santa. And one year I got the most glorious gift ever, an ornament for a Christmas tree with the fat, sweaty face of John Lackey. It was tremendous. It was just one of the greatest gifts I've ever gotten, Secret Santa or otherwise. And I take it with me everywhere we go. I put it up every holiday season. It's it's the first ornament that I put on the tree. And I just did it this past weekend. Obviously tagged Andrew in the tweet. It's just a tremendous gift. And I've had this ornament now for almost 10 years, it seems like. So I just wanted to give Andrew a shout out for that. But he chimes in with his qualm. I'm still trying to figure out the point of the Sanu trade. Is their goal to create slot duplicity with Edelman to open things up for one of them? Overall thoughts on the wide receiver core. I said this on one Patriots place. And I thought it was a good line, so I'm going to repeat it here. For years, Patriots fans, people in national media, chuckleheads on Twitter, used to joke that the Patriots were moving ever so slowly towards the all-slot receiver offense. And they had guys like Hogan and Amendola and Edelman. And then they acquired Dorsett. It's like, they're just trying to run an offense of slot receivers. Well, guess what they have now, dear listener? They have that. Philip Dorsett's probably best suited as a slot receiver. Julian Edelman is probably best suited as a slot receiver. Nikhil Harry, probably best suited as a big slot receiver. Mohamed Sanu, probably best suited as a big slot receiver. Jacoby Myers, probably best suited as a slot receiver. That's what they have. And in an offense, somebody has to play the X. Somebody's got to play the Z. And they have guys that are struggling to fit into roles that they're maybe not best suited for. We had two more shows for you on Thursday. First up is episode 176 of the Pat's Pulpit Podcast. And here, Alec and Rich talk about the run game and why that might be the X Factor this coming Sunday. 
Yeah, I mean, this is a Kansas City Chiefs defense that really struggles against the run. As I said, not just are they 30th against the run in yards allowed per carry, which is 5.1. That's like crazy amount of success. They've allowed 225 rushing yards to the Titans, 203 to the Ravens, 192 to the Texans, 186 to the Lions, and 180 to the Colts. This is a defense that allows opposing teams to run the ball pretty regularly and pretty comfortably. And so, sure, uh, Sony Michelle has not been the running back that people had hoped uh, or had seen during the postseason push. But this is the game for the Patriots to try and control the clock, not just because they need to like figure out how they're going to succeed and thrive on offense, but also just keep the ball out of Patrick Mahomes' hands. You know, Reduce the number of drives that the Kansas City Chiefs have. Make this a lower-scoring affair. Make it so each drive has a little bit more leverage for each of the teams. That's the type of game that the Patriots need to play. They need to win that way, and they can do that by controlling the ball, controlling the clock. And uh, with Sony Michelle out there running the ball or even trying to utilize some of the running backs as, as receivers out of the backfield, this is not a fast Kansas City Chiefs defense. This is not like the most experienced. Damian Wilson and Anthony Hitchens ranked number one and two on their team in tackles. So Anthony Hitchens is a familiar player for a lot of Patriots fans. They've seen him for a couple years now. Uh, he is okay. He is a, a solid linebacker. He's not great, but he's got some speed. It's Damian Wilson that they'll definitely want to try and uh, tackle or go after a little bit. It's his first year in the Kansas City Chiefs defense. He uh, coming over from Dallas. This is the the type of matchup that the Patriots will want to utilize James White a lot. And after seeing the type of success that James White had during the, the final minutes, I know it was garbage time against the Houston Texans, but it's very, very clear that there are two players that the Patriots trust on offense, one being Julian Edelman. The other is James White. We've been asking for a James White breakout performance for the entire year. Last week technically was it against the Houston Texans. He set a career high in yards from scrimmage. It's just increasingly evident that they will need to rely on him to generate some sort of offense, to create positive matchups for other players on that offense, to go with the tempo, to keep Tom Brady protected in the pocket. James White is their top running back. They need to treat him as such, and that's why he's my X factor for this game. Then on episode 48 of the Scotia, I was joined for some quality time by Seth Kaiser, who covers the Chiefs for the Athletic Kansas City. And in this clip, we have our first installment of Thoughts on the Timeline. And Seth shares his thoughts on Baby Yoda. Seth, we're going to try something new with you. You get to be the first guest to experience this little segment here, which I'm calling Thoughts on the Timeline. Something new where I'm going to ask either a football or non-football related question that has been sort of dominated in Twitter over the past week or so. And of course, I have to ask you, Seth, what are your thoughts on Baby Yoda? You know, I I am usually not in favor of inserting cutesy things into shows. I've I'm only through two episodes of The Mandalorian, and so I've enjoyed, or maybe I'm through three episodes now that I think about it. Anyway, yeah, three. And so I I'm in favor of it. That baby's oddly cute. Like yeah. they 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 crushed it, and they've done a good job with the humor. I actually saw someone tweet out something that I thought was a really good thought. That I'm glad that it's a Disney thing. Because you know the baby's gonna be okay. Oh yeah, were, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah, because if this were HBO, like that baby would end up in a wood chipper or right. something. And yeah, so I'm, I'm like, okay, that makes me happy because otherwise it would be stressful, man. 
Then on Friday, we capped off the week with episode 55 of Patriot Nation. In this installment, Pat and Spags get into the state of the Patriots offense. And in this clip, you hear them talk about Nikhil Harry and the state of the wide receiver room. Basically what I'm saying. Well, no. And he, you, can help. he can help right. them. Right. You're 100% right. And they talk about it in all sorts of sports, right, where it's like, you can't put the guy in a short leash because, and they talk about, you know, when you, when you look at a quarterback and, and they talk about, you know, quarterback situations all the time, you can't have the guy looking over his shoulder where he feels like if I throw a pick, I'm done. You know, like, you know, I'm one bad game or one bad play away from getting benched. And here's a rookie who comes in to an organization that's been doing it forever. His quarterback is the greatest of all time. And, and you know, and everything else wide receiver drafted under Belichick. He knows that. Right. The first first round wide receiver taken by Belichick, and that's and that's that's huge. And so Belichick obviously recognized the need and said, "This kid is the guy." He could have taken Debo Samuel, and he didn't. He could have taken a lot of guys, and he DK, didn't. He's a second DK, wide receiver. Oh. He's a second wide receiver off the board. The only one that went before him was Hollywood Brown. And so it's like, and so you say, "Okay, well now I have some big shoes to fill, and I got to go out there and I got to do well." But he's a confident guy, and you got to keep his confidence up. You, you can't look at it and say, okay, you ran one bad route, you're done. Like, what, what are we doing here? That doesn't, you know, what kind of mess are you sending? And listen, I know it's the way Belichick has done it. And I know it's the way Brady has done it too, right? And, you know, you know, and Tony Maz, of course, wants to point the figure all Brady and it's all Brady and it's all Brady and it's all Brady. And, like, you can say wow. that all you want. And, you know, it, it's Brady's attitude and it's Brady's this. But let me tell you something right now. Whatever Tom Brady's been doing the last 20 years, that's not good enough anymore. He can't do that. He can't just be the quarterback. That doesn't work because you have guys that don't know the system well enough that aren't in tune with you yet because they're new to the system or they're just new to the league. You got a guy in Sanu you required halfway through the season. You get two rookies that are out there and they're playing prominent roles. And so I, and, like and Jacoby Myers has done a fantastic more. job. I really think so. Right. And, and look, people can say that they, that he stinks and, and whatever, and th that's fine. They can say that all they want. And Myers is never going to be a number one wide receiver in the NFL. Like, oh, oh. we know that, right? But he that doesn't mean he can't be a third, fourth option. And those guys can play for years. As long as they can catch the ball on a consistent basis, they can play for years. So it doesn't really matter whether, you know, whether he's going to be a number one receiver or not. But you have to get those guys involved, and you have to go out of your way to bring them involved and to make them understand what it is that you're looking for. And if that means you have to tailor your offense a little bit and you say, look, we know Nikhil Harry, you're not Josh Gordon. We're not going to have you run the Josh Gordon routes. We're not having you run quick slants and 10 yard ins because your route tree isn't as good. And that's not the type of guy you are. Yeah. Physically, you have the physicality of a guy like Josh Gordon, but you don't have the experience of him. And that's not really your strong suit. So there you have it. Just a glimpse of everything we put together this week at the Pat's Pulpit Podcast. When you hear from us next, hopefully it's going to be a glorious victory edition of the SCO show, as well as potentially an instant reaction show. We'll see what the schedules allow for us this weekend. Things are busy. We're getting close to the holidays. But remember, from the front office to the scouting department to the coaching staff, the players, and yes, the hosts of the Pat's Pulpit Podcast Network, there are no days off.